continue on in our uh, series that we started last week. Well, we're kind of in a year-long series just talking about the life of Christ, working through some of the gospel accounts and that sort of thing. But we're going to focus for the next several weeks on the stories that Jesus told. And we're calling it the upside-down kingdom. Because um, uh, these stories that we call, you know, uh, the big churchy word for it is parables. Parables is, I, when I was a kid, I was just told that's a earthly story with a heavenly meaning, right? And so, so it's a... It's it, these stories that Jesus told were his his way in a very uh, kind of Eastern setting, uh, you know, Middle Eastern setting of telling stories that would illustrate what the kingdom that he was trying to usher into the world was all about, because it was definitely different, and it's still very different today. You read those accounts, and if we're on it now, for those of you who've been Christians for you know forever since Moses was in short pants, then like. <laughs> Like, you know good and well that you've read those stories so many times that they've lost their luster a little bit, right? And, and, and we forget how shocking, even for a long-time Christian, how shocking those stories can be because if you're really honest with yourself, they probably go counter to who you are as a person naturally. I'm not saying you never live up to them. I'm not saying that you, you know, whatever. I'm just saying that our natural bent is usually counter to the type of kingdom that Jesus is trying to bring about here on earth, right? And so, uh, so the one we're going to focus on today is, is uh, one of the more uh, famous parables that he taught, taught and it teaches, it's the one that teaches us how to be a good neighbor, a good neighbor. Now, <clears throat> I'm a self-confessed horrible neighbor, and I'm, I am. And the reason this, this parable is so challenging to us is because um, <clears throat> it goes so against who we are as a culture today. We're not a neighboring culture anymore. Where, you know, it's very, I mean, if you go to the older parts of Dixon, you'll see big front porches, which I love those old houses with those big front porches. They're so great. But go to the newer section. Go, to the, go, to, go over to by the high school where they're building those new homes. There's no porch. There's, there's a postage-sized stamp yard in front. I mean, it's, it's, it, there's, there's nothing. There's no um, inviting way to, like, mix with your neighbors. We put up, you know, uh, fences and, uh, you know, privacy fences and privacy, you know, hedges and all kinds of things. We pull in, we have a garage door open and we pull into our garage, we shut it down behind us and we never say hi to anybody. That's kind of, the, and I personally, as, as, as kind of the way I'm naturally bent as a little bit of it, I get up here and I'll talk all day long. This is, this is easy for me, but I'm a little bit of an introvert when it comes to just like socializing and that sort of thing. And I like the garage door opener. I like driving in putting it down and, and never the twain shall meet, right? I, like, I kind of like that a little bit. And, and I have to force myself out of that because I know that's actually not the life that Christ calls me to live. He calls me to be a good neighbor. And, I, and, and I'm, just, I'm just telling you, I, I'm getting better. I really am. I'm a work in progress. I'm getting better. I remember like just not even in terms of like neighbors, just in terms of like, you know how a lot of pastors, especially like ones that write books, they always have these great stories of like, oh, I was on this airplane once and sat next to this person and shared the gospel with them. And, and I'm not that guy. I'm like putting pillows between us. And, and, you know, I'm just like straight ahead, earplugs in, you know, I'm, I'm not that guy. And, uh, and so just in terms of just mixing with people in life, I remember Gosh, this was 15 plus years ago. I was uh, a youth pastor on staff at a church in the East Bay, uh, but my but my paying job, my full time job, was I was selling life insurance at a big company in, in San Francisco, and so I would take Bart into the city, and uh, and you know I'd had about a I don't know 
75-yard walk to my office in the building that I went to. I remember walking down the sidewalk this one particular day, and I was, um, just to give you some context, I was in a horrible mood. I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. It was just one of those days where I was, I was not feeling that day, right? I'm walking down. There's this guy that was always on the sidewalk kind of panhandling and stuff, and this particular day, uh, he, he, had, he had his crutches, and he was walking with his crutches, and he would walk past people, and as people walked past him, he would grab his crutch and whack them in the back of the legs with it. And I see this, he, this happened like three or four times, and I see, and I'm walking towards him. And it, I was not in a good mood that day, and I, I'm just going to be honest with you, the whole way towards, I mean, he had whack, 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 several people in the back of the legs, and I was like, please hit me, please. <laughs> I mean, literally, I was like, I am in the mood to go to jail today, <laughs> right? Like, please hit me. And, and so every once in a while, I'm that guy that kind of has those, those weird bent days, and, and, and I'm, I'm better. I'm better now. <laughs> I, I'm not, I haven't arrived, but I am better, okay? But that whole kind of loving others and neighboring and, you know, like, it, that's... It's difficult for me. I'm getting better at it. I honestly am. I'm getting better. I'm starting to kind of reach out and see the value of it and, and that sort of thing. But it's, it doesn't come natural to me. And I think if, if, if we're honest for a lot of us, not all, some of you are great at it, but a lot of us, it doesn't come natural to us either. We, we kind of enjoy that privacy. Speaking of privacy, the best thing in the world now, Walmart, you don't have to go inside. <laughs> Isn't that the greatest thing in the world? You order all your groceries online, you go around to the side door, they bring it out to your car. You never have to go in or talk to anybody. <laughs> it's the best. It's so awesome. All right, that's... <laughs> Nothing spiritual there, just a plug for Walmart, I guess, but that, that's so great. Anyway, um, so yeah, I, I think as a society, our society is no longer like bent towards good neighboring, you have to kind of go out of the patterns of life to be a good neighbor. You really do. And, and, but the, here's the good news is that it's worth it when you do. And that's what I've been discovering over the last few years too as I've tried to kind of come out of that shell and, and uh, fight my inner grumpy old man and you know, you know, do the right thing there. I, I'm really discovering the value of, of that, of, of being more thoughtful with people and being a good neighbor. So Jesus tells a story in uh, Luke chapter 10. So if you want to turn over in your Bible, Luke chapter 10. And so here it is. Luke 10, uh, we're going to start with uh, verse 25. It says this. <clears throat> Behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So, okay, just a little bit of context this was happening pretty regularly in Jesus' ministry. These people who, now when it says lawyer, it's not so much, well, there was no separation of church and state in, uh, in ancient Israel, right? Church and state were all intertwined together. So when you're talking about law, you're also talking about religious law, you know, faith laws, that sort of thing. And so these lawyers were really, another term from some, some places, uh, uh, kind of equate lawyer with Pharisee. It was somebody who was educated in the law, knew how to uh, 
to kind of deal out the law appropriately, interpret the law appropriately, you know, that sort of thing. So that's probably the context of who this was. It wasn't like, you know, Jacoby and Myers guy. It was, it was just, you know, some guy who was very well-versed in the, in the law that day. And so, um, and, and like I said, primarily religious law. And so he, he's, he's kind of, again, they're trying to feel out Jesus, trying to figure out who he is. You know, is, is this guy just a, a really interesting teacher? Is he, is he a prophet from God? Is he more than that? We don't know. And so he, this is a question he asked to test him. He says, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Okay. So by the way, we kind of ask the same question today. It's kind of our test too. If you ever go into a, a new church or you, uh, or you, you know, maybe you're thinking about, you know, visiting a church and you look at their website, you look at their statement, you know, their, their, their statements of belief or whatever, you want to know what they think you have to do to inherit eternal life. What, how, what, how does salvation break down for that particular congregation? And if it's a little askew, then you're going to go, eh, that's not my cup of tea, probably stay away from them. So he's kind of doing the same thing. He says, uh, so Jesus responds to him, he says, he said to him, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And he, the, the lawyer, answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor, love your neighbor, as yourself. And he, Jesus, said to him, you've answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. So it seems pretty cut and dry, right? But the, the lawyer wants to dig in a little harder. And so he says, but, but he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And so here, here comes Jesus' story. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And so likewise, a Levite, now Levite was the tribe of Israel where all the priests came out of, and if it was, this was a Levite man, then he was actually like a volunteer priest. So all the men of the tribe of Levi, uh, they, they took a turn in a rotation serving as priests in different ways. And so, so also kind of a volunteer priest here, right? So um, a Levite, where am I? Uh, verse 32. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan. Now, Samaritans, um, they were not looked upon kindly. By in, in, in Jewish society. They kind of had their own little area of the country. Uh, they, were, they were kind of seen as, there was some racial stuff going on. They were kind of seen as half-breeds. Uh, I know it's a really coarse term, but they, I mean, it's kind of the way they were looked upon. Um, they also believed differently theologically than the rest of the Jewish nation. So this comes up in Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well. When you know she's trying to divert from Jesus's conversation, and she brings up this whole theological conversation, she's like, "Hey, you guys say we're supposed to worship God in Jerusalem, but we say we're supposed to worship here on this hill. You know what's up?" So, so they they thought different. They didn't believe the same things. They were viewed as less than, not truly Jew. You know that sort of thing. And so, so a Samaritan, verse thirty-three. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Now, that seems weird. He's not marinating him. He's, he's just, um, it's just the medicines that they had, right? You know, they didn't have antibiotics or they didn't even have a decent Bengay or anything. It's just, uh, just oil and wine, okay? So he went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring in on oil and wine. And then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. 
And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I'll repay you when I come back. And Jesus says, Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, Then you go and do likewise. All right, so the guy, I love that the guy is like, he can't even bring himself to say the Samaritan. He just, the one who showed him mercy, right? Um, this was a sh- another shocking story for, for that crowd that Jesus tells the, the story to you. It was not the way they would have thought a man from God would be telling stories. In, in their mind, the, the priest would have been the one who would have shown kindness, right? But, but, here, but here's the religious elitist might have been shocked by that, but you know what? The common people understood because they'd been on the receiving end of that turned-up nose from the religious elite. They had, been on the, they had been those people that the religious elite had walked around. They totally got it. They totally got it. And Jesus is saying, no, it's not, it's not really about... This is Okay, before I dive into the direction I'm going this morning, let me, let me tell you the main intent of Jesus telling this story was to say who you are, what tribe you belong to, what nation you belong to, who your forefathers were, whether they were Abraham or Moses or whoever. None of that really matters in my kingdom. None of that really matters in my kingdom. You know what matters in my kingdom? Are you following me? Are you following me? Do you show compassion? Do you show mercy to those who need it? Do you show love and concern for those who who need it? Do you follow me? Do you love the Lord your God with everything in your being? And do you love your neighbor just as much as you love yourself? In Jesus' kingdom, it's not so much about who you are or where your grandparents went to church or what church you grew up in or anything like that. In Jesus' kingdom, it's about how are you living your life? Like, the proof is in the pudding, right? You want to know, are you going to make it to heaven? Then look at your life. Are you living for me? Are you following me? Then yeah, okay. Look at your life. Are you not? Are you a jerk to everybody you come in contact with? Do you care only about yourself and never about anybody else? Do you pass people by who need help rather than stopping to see if you can help? Because if that's, I think Jesus' whole point is, if that's who you are, then there's a huge disconnect between who he is and who you are. There's a huge disconnect between the gospel and the way you're actually living your life. And at some point, if if the way you live your life, there is no connection between the way you live your life and Jesus, or no connection between the way you live your life and the gospel message, or, or the ethics that Jesus taught us to live by, this love your neighbor type stuff, if there's a total disconnect there, at some point you have to come to grips and go, am I, am I really following him? Or is it just something I'm playing at on Sunday? That's a hard, I mean, you have to be really self-aware. <laughs> you have to be really self-aware to have that conversation with yourself, right? You have to be really self-aware to kind of take stock of your life and go, yeah, man, I thought I was a Christian, but maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe this is, I'm just playing this thing. 
That's, I'll leave that to you and God, right? I want to dive in a little bit to this lifestyle that Jesus calls us to live of, of that, that good neighboring aspect. And what does that look like and why is it so important? And I think, unfortunately, it's, and I've kind of been hitting on this the last several weeks, but I think it's one of the most overlooked parts of our faith. You know what's weird is that people in the private sector seem to be getting this in some ways, in, be, in better ways than people in churches are getting it. You see, you see now businesses popping up that are working compassion into their business model. And maybe there's some Christian inspiration there, but maybe not. Maybe it's just a love for humankind, right? But it seems to be that a lot of, now there's still a lot of, you know, selfish, you know, business leaders out there. That, that's not going away anytime soon. But it seems to be more and more that people in the private sector outside of church are doing more and more to help the people that we've been called to help. And, and, and it's, not, it's not rocket science, guys. It's not rocket science. You know what? Jesus never calls us to start an initiative. Now, there's nothing wrong with starting an initiative. There's nothing wrong with starting a a nonprofit or a, or a solution to a, a major problem. But Jesus really never calls us to do that. If, if, if he calls you individually to do that, then great. We'll get behind you, and, and that, that's awesome. We, we think that's great. But what he calls you to do is just simply love your neighbor. Like, what if this kingdom transformation doesn't come about through more nonprofits? What if this kingdom transformation comes about by us just being Jesus to the people that he puts in our path. The the people in your neighborhood, the people at work, the people at school that you go to school with, the people, uh, you know, that that you're sitting on the bench next to at Little League, the, you know, whatever, somebody you come across in the, you know, Walmart parking lot, if you still shop at Walmart, Um, you know, that sort of thing. Like, like Like, what if it's just the people that he puts in your path, and that's where this kingdom transformation will largely take place. And I think so often we feel like we see the problems of the world. We're not blind to the problems of the world. We may be a little bit jaded and uncaring about the problems of the world, but we see them. But I think most of us look at the problems and go, it's too big. It's, it's, I, how do I even solve that problem? How do I solve the problem of hunger? Like, who am, what, what contribution can I make to that? And I think Jesus' response to that is, Feed the hungry people that you see. Just You don't have to feed them all, but the ones that I've put in your path, feed them. How do I solve the problem of orphans? By giving the orphans that Jesus puts in your path a place. You, you don't have to open up the orphanage. Maybe you just open up your home. You know, what about the problems of, of, of widows that need cared for? Well, if that's your neighbor, then care for her. Help her get her groceries. Help her make her doctor appointments. Embrace her into the patterns of your life. Like, like it's not, again, it's not rocket science. It's just we have to begin to have a greater awareness of the mission field that we're on in all of our spheres of life. It's no accident that you were hired at the place that you were hired. You were hired there because if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that's the mission field that he has for you. 
You are on mission in that place. And you're like, some of you are like, there ain't nothing going on about Jesus in my place of work. And that's why he put you there. That's exactly why he put you there. You're the light in the dark place. It's no accident that you're renting or buying the home that you're in in the neighborhood or the apartment complex that you're in. He has placed you there intentionally and he has put you on mission in that place. It's no accident that you're going to the school that you're going to, that you're mixing with the people in, in Rotary or the people in uh, you know, your Little League group or whatever. There's no accident that you're mixing with those people. You are God's light into a dark place wherever you go. That light never gets to turn off. We are the Tom Bodets of the faith community. <laughs> Some of you guys didn't get that. We leave the light on for them, right? We, we leave the light on for them. And so that's who, that's who we are. Now, I, it's so easy. <laughs> Come on. It's super easy for me to stand up here and preach this message. So easy. It's much harder for me to live this message. I am not your example. I'm trying to be. I'm really, really trying to be. But I, I'm not great at this. Some, again, some of you, you have that spiritual gift of hospitality. It just comes natural to you. And some of us, it does not come natural. If we're hospitable, it has to come supernaturally to us. Right? And that's, that's just as valid. Just as valid. I look at myself sometimes and I look at, wow, I just showed great compassion. I, just, I was very hospitable. That's not like me. That's got to be God working through me, right? God, did some, God just did a miracle up in all of this so that somebody's needs would be met because I don't generally care that much about people. <laughs> I mean, that's how my natural bent is, right? Again, I'm, I'm, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. But, I, but, but I've, you know, I started off so far in the hole. It's, it's baby steps, right? It's baby steps. But I want to be that guy, and I think you want to be that guy. You want to be that lady. You want to be that person that, because you've seen those people before. You've encountered those people who just, they notice everything. You're walking down, you, I mean, you, you're, you've got your head and your agenda and your plans for the day, and you are oblivious to everything going on. And then you walk side by side with one of those people who notices everything. Suddenly they're stopping and they're helping and they're, you know, whatever. That person that just dropped something on the sidewalk that you would have blazed right past, they're like stopping to help with. And I'm like, oh yeah, I should have thought of that too, right? right? I mean, like you've been around those people and you look at those people and you go, man, I really need to be more like that. I really got to slow myself down. I really got to get outside of my own head and out of my, out of my own plans and my own agendas. And I, I got I to gotta notice the world around me. I have to notice that we live in this world where people need people and they need help. They need, they, they need hope. That's why our whole mission statement is glory to God and hope to people. That, by the way, did you catch that? What does it take to get to heaven? Love God with everything you got and love your neighbor. Glory to God and hope to people. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And we have to be more like that. 
So, so I, I want to just encourage you, like, as you kind of are walking just through your life, I'm not telling, again, get your head out of this, start the big initiative. Unless God is just, like, really impressing that upon you, like, then, then go for it. But for the average Joe in the room, like, just start becoming more aware. And, and, and this is where you have help. You, the Holy Spirit helps us. Just stop tuning out the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit helps you. You'll be walking through your day, and you will see people in need, and the Holy Spirit will give you a little, little nudge. A little nudge. Man, that person could really use some help. Allow yourself to stop. Allow yourself to stop. Allow yourself to check in on people. Some of you are so in your own head and so in your own agendas that you're walking around the people that live in your house. You're, you see your kid in need and in crisis, and you're walking around because you're so caught up into your busyness or into your whatever, or you just don't want to get into the drama, or whatever the case may be. And you see people in need, in crisis, in your own home, and you walk around. That's got to be one of the greatest tragedies of humankind. One of the greatest tragedies. Like I've always thought, like for me, it doesn't ultimately matter how, like how big we build this church or how many people we baptize or come to faith in Christ or whatever. If I fail to disciple my own family and build something huge, then I'm a failure. If you fail to lead your own family, care for your own family, but care for everybody else around them, then you're a failure. Like, check in with your family. Be a good neighbor to your kids. Be a good neighbor to your spouse. Like, like do, do that. Do that. It's not rocket science. It just, it's countercultural, though. It's counter to who we are. But it's not rocket science. It's easy to understand. It's a little bit more difficult to do. But it's so worth it. Like, I want to I be that guy. You ever go to a funeral and you hear people talking about people who were like that at a funeral? Like, like he was an amazing man. I mean, he would give you the shirt off his back. He, there, he never encountered a person where, you know, that needed help, that he didn't stop to help them. And, and all, people out of the woodwork start sharing their little testimonies about the life of this man or this woman, who all the ways that they helped them. And you're sitting back in the, in, in the funeral going, like, uh, where's the application for sainthood? Uh, like, like, I am not that person, right? I, I leave funerals so often feeling guilty. Because I'm like, wow, that was an amazing man. That was a, I wish I would have known that person. Like, what an amazing, amazing person. And, and then I'm asking myself, will, will anybody say something similar of me someday? I hope. Like I said, I'm, I'm a work in progress. I'm working on it. And it's not only about what people think of me. I had to, had to have a hard conversation a couple weeks ago. And... Um, and as I, I was, I mean, I was, I was stressing over this conversation, and uh, I was talking to one of my brothers about it, and he, he said, "Yeah, it's really hard, you know, when you have to talk to somebody and you're worried about offending them." And I said, "I said, Jason, I said, I'm not worried about offending them. 
I'm worried about offending Jesus. Like I, I, I don't just want to be a good neighbor so that people will think I'm a great neighbor. I want to do it because I don't want to offend my Savior. I want to do it because I really want to someday, when it's all said and done, hear Jesus say to me, well done, my good and faithful servant. I don't want the, it's good enough, I guess, <laughs> right? I don't want that. I want, I, want, I want, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want to offend him. So let's be a people who, like, really see the people around us and really respond to the people around us. And, and I'm just going to tell you, it gets messy. Sometimes when you start helping people, it's not a quick fix. Sometimes it's a long-term fix. Sometimes it's to help a person means changing your life for a period of time. But that's why we're here. It's Again, it's why Jesus left us here. It's why he hasn't just switched, you know, swooped us up to heaven. Because he has work for us to do here. And that kingdom work is us just going through our life being Jesus to the people that we come across, to the people that he puts in our path. Don't miss those opportunities. I had, um, this was years ago, about the same time frame as the wanting to get arrested day. And um, I was on staff at a church, and there was a guy who had, uh, there was a family, I think a brother of a, a lady in our church that had started coming, and, and um um, you know, he had been there a couple of times, and, and I really felt God impressing on me to, like, go talk to him. Just share the gospel with him. And um, I was busy. It was a busy season, and I was busy, and I, I, didn't, I didn't do it. I put it off. I was like, I'm going to do that, and I just put it off. Any, any other put her, put her off for people around here? Yeah, me too. So, but I put it off, and, uh, but I, I, I put it off one day too much, and he was killed in a car accident. That haunted me for a lot of years. Really haunted me. Now, I, I don't know the condition of that man's soul. In fact, his family said that God was really doing a work in his life, and so he may be, he may be just fine. But I still can't get rid of the fact that God was trying to use me in this man's life, and I basically ignored it or put it off, whatever you want to tell yourself, and missed out on a really important opportunity. Really important opportunity. You look at all the evil in the world, and there's a ton of it. It's really easy to sit back cynical and go, like, the, the world is just so evil, and, and it doesn't seem like it's going to get better. I wish there was a solution. And we look to our politicians, and we look to our civic leaders, and we look to people like that, and we like, why can't anybody come up with a decent solution? We argue over the solutions. But the truth is, the solution that God has put in this world for the evils of this world is, first and foremost, his son, Jesus Christ, and in a very close second, you. You. He's put you in the world to shine light in dark places, to bring hope where there is none, to bring help to the helpless to be a voice for the voiceless, to 
speak up for those who are disenfranchised. He has put you in the world to be a part of the solution, not to just sit back and gripe about the problem. Anybody ever worked at a place where you had a coworker that all they ever did was just sit back and gripe about the problems and was never a part of the solution? The church is full of those people. Full of them. Now again, I'm, we're living hope. I'm a little bit preaching to the choir here. You guys tend to get it. But if you're, if you're honest with yourself, I can look at myself and go, there are times I'm pessimistic and griping instead of going, I was put here to be a part of the solution. And we need to be a people who will go, whatever God puts in my path, he put it in my path so that I could be a part of the solution. Like the, world, the world is too dark for us to have stadiums full of lazy Christians. You're not showing your faith by showing up at the stadium. Show your faith by getting out into the world, in your neighborhood, at your work, in your school, in your community, and be light in dark places. Amen? That's what we're called to do. Help us as a church collectively find greater ways to do that too. Help us. You have a great idea? Share that great idea. Now, you guys know the deal. You know the deal. I, my response generally is, there's a reason God put that on your heart. Right? Now, that doesn't mean we won't help and we won't support and maybe even help fund your idea or whatever else. But God made you passionate for a reason. I can only be passionate about so many things. There's so many beautiful things about our church that happen all the time. I mean, truly, truly beautiful things that I'm not passionate about, but some of you are super passionate about, and it, it, you, you guys make our church amazing, amazing. So when you have this idea of like the church should do this, remember, you are the church, <laughs> right? You're the church. And so I'll go, you're right, we should do that. What do you need? What do you need? I'll help you. What do you need? Right? But that's the kind of church and kind of people that we want to be. Let's not be the priest, you know, the guy passing around on the other side. Let's not be that guy. Let's be the guy who's aware enough to see a need. And, and here's, here's the beautiful thing about that. Jesus tells us in another spot that when you've done it for the least of these, you've done it to me. You like, if you're, are you a person that likes worship? Well, there's more to worship than just singing. More to worship than just singing. One of the most beautiful ways you can worship your Savior is to help somebody because Jesus says, you're doing it to me when you do that. So if I'm assuming that if Jesus walked through here and stumbled, like everybody would be on their feet to help, right? Right? It's Jesus. Uh, we'd be fighting over each other trying to get to him first, right? So, but you have that opportunity every day. So let's, let's, be, let's be those kind of people. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Pray this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father, we love you and we thank you so much for your word to us today. We thank you for your, your son and your servant, Jesus Christ, who 
uh, really came and showed us the way to a better life. He showed us how to be truly human, truly the people that you have created us to be. He showed us how to be your true image bearers and reflect you to the world. So we thank you for that. God, we confess um, readily that we don't always live up to that standard. We tend to chase our own plans and our own agendas. We, we tend to make excuses for our lack of compassion. But God, what, what you've taught me is that compassion is rarely easy. And so I just have to kind of jump in and do it. And so just, just help me to do that more. Forgive me when I overlook the children of yours that you've placed in my way, um, in my path, uh, that, that you want me to help. Forgive me when I walk around. Help me to see people. Help me to see people and feel that nudge from your Holy Spirit and respond instead of pushing it aside. I want to be like you. I do. I want to be like you. I want to transform this community in, into, a, into something that looks like your kingdom. Uh, we all want that. And so help us to do that. Help us to do that. You're giving us opportunities. I'm not even going to pray for opportunities. You give us opportunities all the time. Just help us to see the opportunities. Make us more aware. Make us better neighbors, better friends, better parents, and brothers and sisters, and employees, and students, everything that you make us to be, God. Help us to live out this neighboring kingdom concept in all the circles of our life. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory. We'll glorify you in everything we do. Help us to bring hope to everybody else around us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good. Amen? Amen. Don't you wish he would just follow you around, just be the soundtrack to your life all the time? Just you, you, sound, you sound smarter if you just got that going on behind you. It's really great. It's great. It's like I feel like a, I'm a PBS documentary or something. That's great. It's awesome. All right, everybody have a great week.